0: So my name's Josh, and a fun fact I think I just learned about myself this morning is that I love sitting on the porch watching the rain with my son, and it's been raining quite a bit recently, hey-ho to the farmers, and uh, people who like rain, but it's such a beautiful thing. Other fun fact, and this is more of a legit fun fact, is that I love Jesus, and that's why we're here this morning, hopefully so. um, We've been in a series, anyone know what it's called? Is it behind me? Ooh, yes and amen, the promises of God. And I think, uh, I mean, as I've kind of considered it, we've been seeking to find this foundation from which we act as followers of Jesus. And so last week we celebrated something. Does anyone, I think, oh, Isaiah's there. Don't, Isaiah, you know (laughs) What did we celebrate? Anyone know what we celebrated last week? Scott, has it? Oh, that's so good, bro. It's so good to see you, man. Pentecost, we celebrated Pentecost. And we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this week, I think is a great follow up to that. Uh, My hope for all of us is that the Holy Spirit actually stirs something here this morning inside of you and inside of me as well. And that he helps us kind of connect some dots a bit more and really just increases our affections for Jesus. And so to start this morning, I just wanna do a little short exercise, okay? Yes. I, was yeah. about, I, think, I was thinking about like, telling you to get up and do something, but it's, it's a thinking exercise. I know, Angela's ready to exercise. But, okay, I want you guys to think of a relationship you treasure and meditate on the characteristics of that person. Take a minute. Think of a relationship you treasure and meditate on the characteristics of that person. One minute. Maybe 30 seconds. Now, uh, if you're comfortable, I want you don't have to say a name of the person, but just name for me some of those characteristics of that person. Someone name something. Yeah, Dan. Unfiltered honesty. Ooh, that's a cool banger to start. Yeah. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Wisdom. 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 Loves to laugh. Loves to laugh. Nice. Gentle. Gentle. Loyalty. Say that again, Loyal- Loyalty. Nice. Patient. Reliable. Reliable. I heard one over here. Was that you, Audrey? Encouraging. Encouraging. Nice one, Audrey. Loves the Lord. Loves the Lord. Any other one? Mm-hmm. That was commitment. Nice. Mm-hmm. That was good. Thank you for your participation. So here's a question: Would the growth of your love and appreciation for that person be possible without their presence? Would the growth of your love and appreciation for that person or relationship be possible without their presence? And I think think the answer is no. We've all had relationships that have also ended and that we've continued to appreciate them. But on the whole, we develop a love and appreciation for that person from their presence. Anyone into the metaverse here? Maybe, you know, in 25, 50, 75 years, uh, the answer to that question changes, but I actually don't think it will. And the reason I don't think it will is this simple truth. Presence, both physical and spiritual, is the foundation of loving, life-giving relationship. And I'll say that again. Presence, both physical and spiritual, is the foundation of loving, life-giving relationship. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. God's promise of presence. So I wanna have a conversation about the promise of God's presence and I wanna do it in three parts. And the three parts are, God's presence is purpose, God's presence is journey, and God's presence is fulfillment. And my hope in this is in each part to touch just on a big picture idea and to have a little bit personal application for us. Does that sound good? All right, let's get into it. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in here, okay? Father, we just want to thank you for your promise of your presence. We want to learn about it. We want to understand it. So teach us, please. Help us today, as we talk about this, to be just drawn a little bit closer to you. We love you, and we pray this all in your name. Amen. So the beginning is always a good place to start, right? Unless you like reading books and you're the kind of person that goes to the last page. But if the Bible is the book in question, you might not want to do that. That could be a little scary, okay? You might need a friend or someone if you're going straight to Revelation. But I, okay, so we're going to start in the beginning here. Um, and the scripture that I want you to turn to if you have your Bibles is Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28. For some reason, the scripture keeps coming up, but it's because it's pretty important. So if you could turn there, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And Isaiah, I think, has that up on the screen for us. And this is what it says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every other living creature that moves on the ground. So what do you guys see in that scripture about God's presence as it relates to purpose? And there's not necessarily a right answer here, so don't worry about giving me the answer I have written down. But what do you see? What do you see in that scripture of God's presence as it relates to purpose. Anything? Like his character, you mean? Or maybe just reword that. <laughs> okay, sorry. it's oh, okay. God's presence, how do you understand that? And purpose, the word purpose. What is your purpose? What is God's purpose? How do you see God's presence as it relates to purpose in that scripture, yeah? you over there. Good looking lady. Intended, That's my mom. intended for relationship. Intending for relationship. Okay. Image bearers. Image bearers. Okay. Uh, yeah, Malcolm. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, go ahead, Dad. Go go for it. Must have dominion over creation. Okay, dominion over creation. He's creative. He's creative. I'm just trying to get us to think here. Okay. Like, yeah, Angela. He's involved. Ball, interesting. No clues there. I'm going to give it a shot. I was thinking that he wants us to know that we're blessed. Okay. And, and all those other answers, all of the above, apply to that. Okay. Thank you, Brandon. Anybody else have anything they want to contribute? Okay. Thank you for that, guys. Well, when I consider God's presence and as I was kind of preparing and looking at this in creation, I actually see multiples multiple examples of him being present, right? We see him right in the beginning, the spirit hovering over the waters. We see after the fall, God walking through the garden in the cool of the day, looking for Adam and Eve. And I just kind of want to read to you this little blurb from my study Bible that I think speaks really well to this idea of God's presence and purpose. If you could throw that up there, thank you. And this is what it says. Throughout the ancient Near East, an image was believed to contain the essence of that which it represented. The essence equipped the image to carry out its function. In Egyptian literature, there is one occurrence of people in general having been created in the image of a deity. But it is generally the king who is spoken of in such terms. The image is the source of his power and prerogative. The biblical view is similar as people were created in the image of God, embodying his qualities and doing his work. They are symbols of his presence and act on his behalf as his representatives and so as we see in that scripture in genesis 1 from the beginning god actually made us to rule and reign with him over his creation because how like really how else would we learn like you think he would just put us in there but like okay guys figure out what you got to do like make cultures and civilizations on your own right you ever thought about it like that what would have happened if sin if sin never came into the world? It's an interesting idea. And in that, there's actually a cool video, the Bible Project. Has anyone heard of the Bible Project here? Yeah. They do this cool video. It's, it's about the image of God. And in the video, it grif- briefly discusses how God's plan in creation was always to rule and reign with us. That we would be his representatives as we read, and that his kingdom and him and his kingdom, as we ruled and reigned in goodness and righteousness. But the story didn't really turn out like that, did it? Mm-hmm. No. We rejected God's kingdom way for our own way. And that disobedience actually removed us from God's presence, the source of our purpose. So how does that affect you and me today? Has anyone ever struggled with or wondered about their purpose in life? Yeah, I think it's a question that's really embedded into our, the fabric of our beings. And if someone asked you what your purpose in life is, how would you answer? Good What's your purpose? What would you say? Anyone? Wanna be brave? What's your purpose? Yeah, Isaiah? To um, praise and serve with God. Yeah? Nice. That's pretty good. Thank, Thank you, good. Isaiah. Right. I'm not gonna give any credit to your parents. <laughs> yeah, <Audrey. laughs> thank you for sharing anyone else their purpose want to take a stab yeah i'll give her a try okay give her a try so for me because god has blessed me with heart for young people i've known this for quite a while i know and feel that that my call is to do ministry to the youth it took me a while to figure that out but you know God gave me all the, all the time I needed. So I just believe based upon my interest, and he always aligns people's interest to things that they like to do for the call that God has on their lives. And I feel because my young my heart doing things that like yeah. young people like to do, I do believe that God is using that purpose for me, for the ministry. that He's called me in with you. Thanks for sharing that very much. Anyone else? style. I was sitting around the fire last night talking about this, Mm but um, maybe to what we were thinking was to know God and to love Him and others well. Mm -hmm. That's what we were Mm -hmm. thinking about. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to take a stab? Oh man, everyone's in now. Oh yeah. Trish, (laughs) go ahead. So that you can be in relationships with humans in the same way. Nice. Angela, do you want to share yours? Sure. Go okay. ahead. Um, I'm thinking about. Here's another question. What if our purpose is more simple than we thought? Isn't it true that we often complicate things as people? (laughs) And I'll put a little disclaimer. This is something that I've wrestled with a lot over time. And so this is a lot of kind of Josh. But I think this relates well to what we're talking about here this morning. And I think our purpose is one of those areas where we've complicated things. And so in church culture, we, and Brandon, please don't be offended by this, but in church culture, we've crafted lines like God's call on your life or God's plan for your life. And in and of themselves, those things aren't a bad thing. Okay. Let's just be clear. We've also cultivated uh, lines like seasons and navigating. Those don't necessarily have anything to do with what I'm talking about, but I just thought I would throw them out there because they get to me. (laughs) God's call on your life and God's plan on your life, and we present God's purpose for us often like something like this: If you're not in this job, married with as many kids as the Butlers, at this exact place at this exact time, with this type of attitude, you're probably not following God's purpose for you.. <laughs> Very good. Okay. What if it was much more simple than that? What if God's call on or plan for your life was just to be in his presence as often as possible? Now let's not misunderstand, okay, Uh, and sometimes I can do that. I don't want to be equally responsible for putting God in a box the way you know others might when they express the specifics of God's purpose for your life, so I don't want to do that. Because we do see examples in Scripture of specific people with a specific purpose, right? And when I, when I think of that, like I see someone like Joseph or Esther or even the Apostle Paul. But when I look at those examples in Scripture of people that loved God and were loved by God, one thing stands out to me, and it's this. Their purpose was never informed by what they did. Their purpose was never informed by what they did. Their purpose was informed by who they were with. Amen. Being in God's presence gave them purpose. And Tom mentioned it last week, but I think we all need this a daily reminder. But like, throw it on some app or something. No, don't do that. But a daily reminder. The purpose of a disciple of Jesus is what? And it's a simple thing. To learn from him. To abide. Oh yeah, come on, we, we've like said it a thousand times here at Anchor Point. The purpose of a disciple of Jesus is three, kind of, I don't know what the right. term is. Do boom, 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 boom. you want me to answer? No, I don't want you to answer. Uh. It's mm-mm, mm-mm. Are good? What is it, Dion? No, no, no. You had it! That was it! That was it! What is the purpose of a disciple of Jesus? Be with, with Become like, do what he did. Be with, become like, do what he did. In its simplest form, that's what it is, guys. So, but let's, let's not mistake something here. The being with is first for a reason it actually shapes everything about our discipleship to Jesus. And learning that is a lifelong journey, as some of us and all of us hopefully will experience. And so our next little point here is God's presence's journey. And I want to take you all on a short journey. Every time I've thought of this line, it's like all I can think of is that what? kids could probably help me, like, take you on a magic carpet ride. I can't think of the tune, though, so forgive me. But let's go on a short journey through scripture. I know Hannah knows for sure, Hannah knows. Um, there could be so many stops here, but I just want to point out a couple key scriptures that I think give us a picture of God's presence, his journey. And so the first scripture, if you've got your Bibles, is Exodus 33, verse uh, 12 to 17. And this is, like, one of my favorite Interchanges between a person and God It's so good. So Exodus 33 Yeah you can throw that up there Isaiah Exodus 33 12 to 17 And Moses said to the Lord You have been telling me Leave these people But you have not let me know Whom you will send with me You have said I know you by name And you have found favor with me If you are pleased with me Teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, "I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name." Beautiful. Next scripture: Deuteronomy thirty-one. We're going. We're taking that carpet ride. Deuteronomy thirty-one, seven to eight. I want to hear Bible pages rustling. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay too. It's okay i got to open my Bible more. Deuteronomy. Me and Nate have been reading through Deuteronomy. It's a great book. 31, 7 to 8. Then Moses... You're way ahead of me, Isaiah. Good job. (laughs) Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And on the next one, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, in the middle, somewhere. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Still on your carpet. Thank you, Isaiah. Good job. We're still on there, man. We're singing songs. Uh... One thirty-nine, seven to ten. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Amen. Next scripture: Isaiah four, I, Isaiah Isaiah forty-one, eight to ten. You guys okay? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, verses 8. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And two more. My favorite, I think, is at the end. Matthew 2820. I think everyone's pretty familiar with this one. It's part of the Great Commission here. Anyone know it by heart? I'll take you out to dinner. I'm here, I am. All with you. <laughs> Come on. Okay, Uh, sorry, I should have been more clear I was talking about the entire Great Commission Okay, but at the end of the Great Commission Here, this is what Jesus says uh, 2820, and teaching them to obey He's talking to His disciples about what Basically their life purpose is supposed to be And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you And surely I am with you Always to the very end of the age I mean, I could If you guys want to schedule it I will take each and every one of you out to dinner Or over to my house, so yes, let's do that uh, last one. John 17, 20 to 23. This is one of my favorites here. Okay. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I John 17, Yep, John 17, 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Sorry. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. And have loved them even as you have loved me. Okay, the carpet's landed. Um, but here's a hard truth. No matter how beautiful and life-giving the promise of God's presence has been and is, time and time again we reject it. If you read, like, let's you just go through your Bible, it's like creation, boom, rejection, wilderness, rejection, promised land, rejection, temple, period, exile, and even Emmanuel, God physically with us here in Jesus. Why? Why do we reject it? Why do we reject the promise of God's presence? Anybody? Everyone's like, is this a quiz? Like, what is this? Pride, yeah, say pride. Yeah. pride like it? Malcolm, you had your hand up? We have a basically flawed, marred, disobedient nature. Mm. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. sinful nature. Free. Greed. And all those, I think, can be shaped into this idea that sin has formed in us that we actually think we rule and reign better without God. And if our continual rejection of God is the hard truth, then I think the beautiful truth is that despite our rejection of God, He has faithfully journeyed with people since the beginning. And so it almost looks like when we think of God's presence's journey, this idea that God allows the journey of rejecting, falling on our faces, rejecting some more, falling again, over and over, to help us realize that no matter what we try, we will never rule and reign in goodness and righteousness without him. Amen. But because God is unbelievably faithful and good, he consistently invites us back into his presence. To teach us what life was meant to be like with him. So what does God's promise of presence mean for your, yours and my journey? I think C.S. Lewis says it pretty sweetly, like he often does. We may often ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. And the incognito is not always hard to penetrate. The real labor is to remember, to attend, in fact, to come awake, still more to remain. awake. And isn't that such a true picture of what you and I do? Like, don't we just fall asleep so much? And resort back to kind of our old ways of doing things. Anyone else experience that? Like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. yeah? But journeys take time, right? And change and transformation don't actually happen without time and engagement. But there's this lurking danger, I think, when we consider the presence of God in our journeys. And I was watching uh, this video on YouTube. It was called Don't Chase Happiness, Become Anti Fragile. It was a Big Think video. It's called Don't Chase Happiness, Become Anti-Fragile. And in this video, this guy was talking from a scientific perspective um, about how people can achieve happiness. So stay with me here, okay? uh, There's a connection here. How people can achieve happiness. But in their studies, they discovered this paradox, okay? And the paradox was that those who were concerned about their happiness and pursued it directly and almost obsessively we're less likely to attain happiness and more likely to become depressed. You guys follow me there? Okay. And I think this paradox actually applies to the idea as the idea of God's presence as it relates to our journeys. And, uh, and this is, I'm gonna to try to hopefully make it clear. And isn't Israel, when you think of Israel, aren't they like the perfect case study of that paradox? God's chosen people, cherished by God, But they missed the heart of what it meant to be in God's presence. They saw all the rules, responsibilities as the way to be in God's presence, but that was never his intention. And don't we often do the same? We've been practicing spiritual disciplines. Okay, hold the phone, okay? I am a big proponent of spiritual disciplines, okay? So don't take this as me telling you that they're a bad thing. And they're good and necessary. I'm looking at Klossy smiling at me. You know, we've done silence and solitude. We're doing the daily office and emotionally healthy discipleship. Uh, a couple minutes of silence. And the truth is, we need discipline to change our bad habits that sin has formed in us. Right? You with me? Well, when, the, when we talk about this often, we need to be reminded. When discipline becomes the object, instead of a tool, we miss the heart of God's presence. Yeah. When being in God's presence means only when we're here on a Sunday uh, at community group, Wednesday night shout out, even though we're going to be waiting, yeah, Lee, Tian, it's to see man. <laughs> we're missing the point of God's presence. But hopefully our journey with Jesus will show us that being in God's presence is so much more. And in this video, they used an illustration, okay? And the illustration was that of looking directly into the sun. Okay. This is, I think this is helpful, so follow me. Looking directly in the sun. So I hope this is helpful. Um, and in the illustration, it goes like this. If we look directly into the sun, what happens? Go blind. Go blind. You hurt your eyes, right? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Thank you, The scientific, yes, you'll probably go blind, something like that. <laughs> but the sun is good and necessary, right? Yeah. And so how do we receive the benefits of the sun? You don't have to answer that. But by being able to see sunlight in its elements, in the color spectrum, we can enjoy sunlight by seeing it everywhere and indirectly. Our journey in God's presence is learning to see him in everything, not just in scheduled times or right places. And Joni gave me this beautiful little book, it's called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, mom's. And it's a great book. If you get a chance to read it, you should check it out. But in this book, this man simply made it the priority of his life to be in the presence of God moment by moment. And that's what Brother Lawrence developed in his life's journey, an intimate conversation with God. And this is what he says here, being with God does not mean being in church. We can make our hearts into chapels into which we can withdraw from time to time to talk with God in gentleness, humility, and love. Everyone is capable of this intimate conversation. And he was such a rebel, eh? Oh my goodness. He was a monk, and he would be constantly focused, like, I just talk to God all the time. And he would come into his scheduled times of prayer when he'd go to his room, and he'd be like, they're telling me to do all this stuff, but I just keep doing what I've been doing the whole time. So I don't even worry about those scheduled times of prayer. Sounds like something I would be doing. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I guess if you stop for a moment and reflect on what we've discussed so far, you might say, okay, Josh, so my purpose is to be with God a little vague. Uh, and on my journey, I'm supposed to either stay awake, according to this guy named C.S. Lewis, or I'm supposed to develop some sort of intimate conversation, whatever that means. How do those things give me what I want? How do those things give me what I want? Will they bring me fulfillment? And that's a great question. And so, in that in the last point there, God's presence is fulfillment. The question still lingers, doesn't it? What do you want? What do you want? C.S. Lewis says, I mean, you know, C.S. Lewis has this interesting quote that I've, that's stuck with me for a long time. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And I think God's answer to that question, as we're going to see shortly in Scripture, is Himself. The thing that we want the most in life is God, but He'll never make that choice for us. And in Colossians, if you've got your Bible there, Colossians one twenty six to twenty seven. Isn't that weird? I was thinking about this. I'm not like a person for like scriptures lining up, but Genesis one twenty six to twenty seven. Crazy. If you're like that. <laughs> so this is what it says verse 26 to 27 the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery it's a mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory that's the mystery yeah, that's the mystery. The mystery, the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose and plan is once again, like it was in the beginning, his presence with us. Yeah, good. Christ in you and in me. Last week we celebrated this, right, Isaiah? Pentecost. God giving us his spirit so that we can once again rule and reign with him to spread his kingdom way throughout creation. Amen. But maybe for a lot of us, the question still lingers in our minds. Is God's presence what we really want? Will that bring me fulfillment? And in thinking about that, I was considering maybe the answer to that question is actually in the evidence that our lives present us. You know, we're constantly looking for things in life that will fulfill us. Our work, money, pleasure, relationships. If only this thing To give me what I want. This person. Doesn't it seem like every time we achieve that thing. Or have enough money. Or are liked by enough people. The goalposts always seem to move. And contentment seems unattainable. But here God's promise of presence actually confronts us. It pays the price for our sin through Jesus. And now the separation that sin caused between us and God is removed. And a new way presents itself. Christ in you, Christ in me, a hope of glory like we had in the beginning, a purpose, a wonderful journey, and the fulfillment of our deepest longings and desires. This is what the promise of God's presence is. It's everything. And this is where I want to conclude this morning. This promise of presence is the best promise we will ever get. That's actually, period, that's right, Isaiah, well done. Look, we're finishing each other's sentences, that's great. Yeah, that's it, period. That's I've that's so good. The promise of presence is the best promise we will ever receive, period. It's worth our time and engagement. Because if we choose to pursue God's promise of presence, we will redefine our purpose, we will discover a beautiful journey, we will find fulfillment in life. And this is such a big topic, okay, so don't get kind of like, oh my goodness, is that it? That, there's not, I don't really necessarily have a how-to or a next-step thing for us this morning to end, but what I want to do is I want to encourage each person in the room here this morning. And if you're someone who has received God's promise of presence, then I want to reaffirm in you that it's worth it. God wants to be with you, and he wants you to be with him. In increasing ways and to actually exhort you to pursue and engage him more. And if you're here today and you might be hearing about this promise of presence for the first time, I want to also tell you that it's worth it and share with you this scripture. And it's from Matthew 7 verses 7 to 8. And Isaiah, don't worry, it's not there. But it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And so that's all for this morning, guys. Um, I would love to chat with you guys if you have any questions, or ideas, or thoughts, or corrections. Please feel free to. I just like, oh, yeah. That's it. But I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite Klaus to come up and actually celebrate what we've been talking about this morning is a great way to end uh, this message. So let's just pray, and then we'll do that. Father, how privileged are we that you actually offer yourself freely to us. We don't deserve any of that, and yet you continually give of yourself to us. And so we come before you this morning and actually just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for a gift that can actually offer us everything in this life. And, you know, Father, we're all on these different journeys with you. And our understanding of your promise of presence is different for each and every one of us. But I just pray, Lord, that you would root in our hearts and in our souls... That very thing. The promise that you want to be with us and you want us to be with you be the thing that our lives revolve around. I just thank you that you desire that. And I pray, Father, by your Spirit, who we're celebrating today and we celebrated last week, that you would, yes, stir in our hearts a new affection and desire to be with you. Show us how wonderful and beautiful that is. And we just thank you that you're willing to do that. So we pray this all in your name. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.